Nats Chat is brought to you by Walters. Walters is your spot in Navy Yard for the NBA Finals as the Golden State Warriors take on the Boston Celtics this Thursday night at 9. Located just across the street from the ballpark, walk on over to Walters. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now a dome coming set. He kicks, he delivers. Swing and a long drive to right. Going, going, and gone goodbye. Almost halfway up the seats. In straightaway right field to the left of the Nationals bullpen. Joey Votto. Pitch from Rogers. Here it comes. Hit high in the air. Left center field. Robles going back. Onto the warning track. And it is gone. A bomb to left center field by Kyle Farmer. A three-run shot into the Cincinnati bullpen. Blows this game open. It's now 8-1 Cincinnati. And welcome to Nats Chat for Friday, June 3rd, 2022. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. Mark Zuckerman is off for this installment of Nats Chat. Why is it that Mark always leaves me with games that end up being duds? I don't know. I need to talk to Mark about that. But anyway, it's good to have you with us. Uh, We very much appreciate you listening to the Nats Chat podcast and downloading the podcast. I know that this Nats season is not what any of us wanted the season to be, but uh, that doesn't mean that we can't have good Nationals conversations on this podcast. Uh, And so we very much appreciate you listening. We appreciate all of the tweets and the emails. Uh, Really smart feedback. I know that I learn a lot from reading what you guys have to say. So thank you very much for all of that. Uh, Don't forget that you can subscribe uh, to the podcast. Doing so is free. Also feel free to spread the word about the podcast. If you know the Nats fan looking for more Nats content, you know, looking for more Nats conversation, You know, I still feel like Nats fans remain underserved in the Washington, D.C. area. And part of the mission of this podcast is to correct that. So spread the word if you know of Nats fans looking uh, for more Nats conversation. Well, here is a philosophical question for you. If you're a really bad team and you play another really bad team and you get blown out by that bad team, then what does that make you? This is the question that the Nationals are pondering on this Friday because this is what happened to the Nats on Thursday night. We on Thursday night had the beginning of a four-game series between the two worst teams in the National League, a four-game series for the NL worst Nats at the Cincinnati Reds, who are so bad that they on May 15th lost a game in which they threw a no-hitter. Yes, a one nothing loss at the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Reds in that game no-hit the Pirates, and yet the Reds lost that game. And what happened on Thursday night 
is that the Nats got routed at the Reds. The Nats, by that lowly Reds team, got smashed an 8-1 Nats loss. This off the Nats, having just gotten bludgeoned in a three-game sweep at the National League East leading New York Mets. The Nats in that series lost the three games by a combined score of 28-5. So the Nats now have lost four consecutive games. The Nats, during this four-game losing streak, have been outscored 36-6. Yes, a run differential over the last four games of minus 30. The Nats this season now are a National League worst, 18-35. And And the Nats this season now have the worst run differential in the majors at minus 83. Now, before we go any further, I would like to make mention of some happy Nats news. Things are so bad for the Nats right now. Can we at least acknowledge something good? The Nats on Thursday promoted two pitching prospects to higher levels in the minor leagues. Uh, Those two pitchers, Cole Henry and Jake Irvin. Now, neither guy is some highly regarded prospect in the world of baseball, but Henry's stock in particular is soaring, and each guy is well-regarded within the Nats system. And, you know, always keep in mind, just because a prospect isn't well-regarded on these top prospects lists doesn't mean that the prospect can't end up being good, okay? These prospect lists are not gospel or anything like that. But the Nats promoted starting pitcher Cole Henry from AA Harrisburg to AAA Rochester. Uh, The Nats took Henry in the second round of the 2020 MLB draft out of LSU. Uh, This season is Henry's age 22 season. Henry, excellent for AA Harrisburg this season. Seven starts, 23 and two-thirds innings, ERA of 0.76, a whip of 0.59, a strikeouts per nine innings of 10.2. And the fact that Henry now is at AAA in early June screams that the plan is to call him up to the majors at some point this season. Now, we'll see if that ends up happening, but when you get brought up to AAA in early June, the idea isn't for you to stay there for the rest of the baseball season. The idea is you're doing well. If you continue to do well, then you're going to be called up to hopefully do well at the highest level of baseball there is. You know, it's possible that Cole Henry will be promoted to the majors before the Nats' top pitching prospect. And one of the top pitching prospects in baseball, Cade Cavalli is called up to the majors. Now, you know, that's a possibility, maybe not a probability, but that is a possibility uh, at this point. We'll see. And then the Nats on Thursday also promoted starting pitcher Jake Irvin from High A Wilmington to Double A Harrisburg. The Nats took Irvin in the fourth round of the 2018 MLB draft out of the University of Oklahoma. This season is Irvin's age 25 season, so he's an older prospect, but part of that is him having undergone Tommy John surgery in October 2020. Irvin for High A Wilmington this season, nine starts, 30 innings, ERA of 150. So there you go. Hope for the future if you're a Nats fan. All we have is the future right now because the present is not so good. The Nats offense remains not so good. The Nats offense on Thursday night in this 8-1 loss at the Reds, terrible once again. Just one run. The Nats totaled just five hits. The Nats worked just one walk. The Nats went 0 for 3 with runners in scoring position. Uh, Nats manager Davey Martinez during his postgame session with reporters not at all happy with the Nats batters' approaches to plate appearances in this game. Said that the Nats took too many strikes, swung at too many balls. Here really is all that you need to know. The Nats numbers one through four batters on Thursday night. Cesar Hernandez, Capert Ruiz, Juan Soto, and Nelson Cruz. Those four guys win a combined 0 
for 16 with no walks and four strikeouts. Each guy had the exact same line, 0 for 4 with no walks and a strikeout. What's going on with Juan Soto is painful. I mean, he's better than this. Everybody knows it. He will be better than this as the season goes on. But for right now, he is struggling. Juan Soto's OPS for the season now is at 792. His OPS for the season through May 5th was 927. Soto, in less than a month, has seen his OPS for the season fall by 135 points from 927 to 792. The Nats on Thursday night did hit a home run. That was good to see. Uh, Josh Bell as the Nats starting first baseman and number five batter went two for four with a solo homer and an infield single. Uh, Bell in the top of the seventh, a one-out first pitch, opposite field homer to left field to cut the Nats deficit to 3-1. I got to tell you, Great American Ballpark cracks me up. This is one of the uh, more notorious band boxes in Major League Baseball. Josh Bell's homer on Thursday night went just 356 feet per stat cast. But that ended up being a homer because the dimensions at Great American Ballpark are what they are. And so uh, Josh Bell hit a home run. Now, this was Josh Bell's fifth home run of the season. This was his first home run since May 7th. Uh, I've talked about the power outage that Josh Bell uh, went through and in a lot of ways remains in the midst of. And that homer by Josh Bell snapped a scoreless streak of 27 and a third innings for the Nats. Remember, the Nats got shut out in each of their final two games in the three-game sweep at the Mets, and the Nats were getting shut out in this game on Thursday night until that Josh Bell home run. And then Bell, in the top of the ninth inning, had a two-out infield single on an ultra-slow roller on a one-two pitch. If you actually stayed with this game through the game's conclusion, you saw one of the more unique infield singles that you'll ever see. I'm not sure that I've ever seen a grounder travel as slowly as that Josh Bell two-out infield single traveled uh, in the top of the ninth inning on Thursday night. Here's the pitch, and Bell swings. It's a slow roller toward the left side. Only one man on the left side. The shortstop Farmer picks it up and throws. Off balance and too late on one hop. Bell beats the play and the shift with an infield hit. So Josh Bell had two hits on Thursday night. Also with two hits for the Nats on Thursday night was Michael Franco. Uh, He is an Nats starting third baseman and number seven batter, two for three with two singles. Franco in the top of the fifth, a one-out single to left field on a 1-2 pitch, and Franco in the top of the seventh, a two-out first pitch single to center field. But still, bad offense overall for the Nats once again. I mean, you know, the Nats over the last three games have totaled just one run, okay? Like, right there tells you where the Nats offense is at right now. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. It feels like everything is going up these days, including home prices. And so there's no better time to have the look of your home go up and the value of your home go up with new windows from Window Nation. Get two free windows with every two windows that you buy, plus pay nothing for two full years. Take advantage of this offer. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and make sure that you tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. Window Nation windows are the best. 
The average window nation installer has over 16 years of experience with over 20,000 windows installed. Window nation offers 1500 custom window combinations, including vinyl, wood, and fiberglass. Window nation is the best. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and make sure that you ask for the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi. Two free windows for every two windows that you buy, plus pay nothing for two full years. 866-90NATION or windownation.com. That's 866-90NATION or windownation.com. And make sure that you tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. He settled in. Um, he opted for standing. You know, he's facing a, a future Hall of Famer there, you know, and uh, just let the ball out over, played a little bit. And then um, he had a, uh, a growth moment there, you know, where we, fa- we let him face him again. And uh, he made the pitch he needed to make and it got him to ground out. The Nats starting pitcher on Thursday night was Yoan Adone, and this ended up being what we have come to know as a typical Yoan Adone start. He gave up runs, he issued walks, he did do some good things, but he ultimately didn't do enough. Uh, Adone allowed three runs in five and a third innings. He gave up six hits, a homer, and five singles. He issued four walks, he recorded four strikeouts, he over his five and a third innings threw 98 pitches, 54 strikes, versus 44 balls. All of the runs that Adone gave up in this game came in the bottom of the first. Adone in the bottom of the first allowed three runs. Uh, He gave up a one-out infield single to Brandon Drury on an interesting play, actually. So uh, Drury hit a high, and I mean high, chopper to third baseman Michael Franco on a one-two pitch. And I want to give Franco credit. He made a nice spinning catch and then a pretty good throw to first baseman Josh Bell. Now, this was a one-hop throw, But the throw was decent, and the throw, I think, was better than what Josh Bell was anticipating because Bell came off the bag when he probably didn't have to come off the bag. I'm not sure if Drury would have been out, but, you know, I think it would have been at least semi-close. Anyway, Brandon Drury got that one-out infield single. Adone issued a one-out five-pitch walk of Tommy Pham, and then came the big blow. Adone giving up a one-out three-run homer to Joey Votto on a blast to right field, despite Votto having been down at the count of one point 
one, two. Now, Adon, after allowing the three runs in the bottom of the first, did then throw four into third scoreless innings, but Adon put quite a few Reds on base. Uh, Adon tossed a scoreless bottom of the second, despite giving up a leadoff single to Albert Almora Jr. Adon tossed a scoreless bottom of the third, despite giving up a leadoff single to Nick Senzel, issuing a one-out six-pitch walk of Tommy Pham, and issuing a one-out eight-pitch walk of Joey Votto, despite Votto having been down to the count at 1.12. Adon tossed a scoreless bottom of the fifth, despite giving up a leadoff single to Matt Reynolds, and then issuing a seven-pitch walk of Nick Senzel. Yohan Adon now has made 11 starts this season, he has an ERA of 5.98. He has a walks per nine innings of 5.64. The walks are the thing. Clearly, the walks are the thing with Yoan Adon. This guy with his walks is like, you know, Gio Gonzalez on steroids, okay? And, you know, Gio, for all of his problems with walks, never had a walk rate for a season with the Nats like what Adon has right now. Understand, Gio Gonzalez's worst single season walk rate with the Nats was 4.32 in 2018. Adon's walk rate so far this season is 5.64. That is a sky high walks per nine innings. Now, Yoan Adon, of course, is young. This is his age 23 season. He is learning. He is hopefully growing. He does throw hard. He does compete. Uh, but obviously, the walks need to come down. As for the Nats bullpen on Thursday night, so two Nats relievers combined to allow five runs in one and two thirds innings, while another Nats reliever was good once again. Erasmo Ramirez allowed three runs in one inning. He in the bottom of the sixth Faced two batters, got two outs, but he and what ended up being a five-run red seventh was charged with three runs and got just one out. He gave up a first pitch leadoff opposite field home run to Matt Reynolds to right field. Uh, Josh Rogers, he officially allowed two runs in two-thirds of an inning. He and the Reds' five-run seventh issued a one-out six-pitch walk at Joey Votto, then gave up a one-out three-run homer to Kyle Farmer on a bomb to center field for an 8-1 Reds lead, uh, that homer going a projected 400 feet per stat cast. So Erasmo Ramirez and Josh Rogers struggled. And then with the Nats down 8-1, it was, of course, Paolo Espino time. You know, nothing in our world right now foretells anything more than the Nats being down big in a game foretells Paolo Espino pitching, all right? The Nats, for whatever reason, <laughs> refuse to pitch Paolo in meaningful, high leverage, or even medium leverage situations. I don't get it. I mean, he has been really good this season. I'm not saying that he's some dominant pitcher, but you know what? Pitching is about getting outs. Like, at some point, evaluating a pitcher has to stop being about the circumstance and even the opposing hitters and just about, okay, does the guy get outs? And Paolo Espino gets outs, okay? What Paolo Espino keeps doing is, is getting outs. Paolo Espino on Thursday night tossed a perfect bottom of the eighth inning. Now, you could say, well, the Reds aren't very good. You're right. But you know who had trouble getting outs against his Reds lineup? Erasmo Ramirez. You know who else had trouble getting outs against his Reds lineup? Josh Rogers. Paolo Espino on Thursday night, perfect bottom of the eighth. Here now are Paolo Espino's numbers for this season. 18 games, 24 and two-thirds innings, ERA of 219, whip of 1.09. Again, I'm not saying that he's great. I'm not saying that he's Mariano Rivera. Nobody is saying that. But geez, Paolo was pretty good last season. He has been really good 
so far this season, would it maybe be okay to try him in a spot other than when the Nats are down by a bunch of runs? I mean, just something to think about. The Nats have a hard enough time getting outs. Paolo Espino gets outs. Sure, there are nits to pick, okay? But why not give him more of an opportunity than when the Nats are down by, you know, five runs or more? By the way, guess who was number one among Nats pitchers in baseball references version of wins above replacement of war entering Thursday? Paolo Espino. Yes. Paolo Espino entering games on Thursday was number one among all Nats pitchers in B-War at 0.5. Paolo Espino. I don't know. Call me crazy. Maybe he has earned pitching in a situation other than, you know, opposing team infinity. <laughs> Nats one. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy to me right now with Paolo Espino. Another topic from this Nats 8-1 loss at the Reds on Thursday night is defense. Uh, it's really interesting what will bother people in charge. The Nats' defensive struggles have really bothered President of Baseball Operations and General Manager Mike Rizzo and Manager Davey Martinez. We have heard each guy sound off on the defensive struggles over the last few days. And you know what? For good reason. The Nats' defense has been a real problem so far this season. Well, the Nats' new starting shortstop, Luis Garcia, had some tough defensive moments on Thursday night. Uh, Look, Luis's defense is what kept him at AAA Rochester for so long this season, and his defense on Thursday night was an issue. Now, I want Luis Garcia playing. I think a lot of you listening want Luis Garcia playing. It makes a lot more sense for the rebuilding Nats to have Luis Garcia in his age 22 season making defensive mistakes than watching Alcides Escobar in his age 35 season making mistakes. But there's no question that Luis Garcia is a work in progress at shortstop, which isn't an easy defensive position to begin with. Like, you can be really good defensively and still have issues at shortstop. Luis Garcia right now is learning to be good defensively, and he's playing one of the more premium defensive positions in baseball in shortstop. So Luis Garcia on Thursday night was in that starting shortstop and number eight battery, went 0 for 3 with a strikeout, left three men on base. Uh, Garcia in the bottom of the fourth committed a one-out throwing error on a grounder by Albert Almora Jr. Garcia fielded a one-hopper off the bat of Almora, then made a one-hop throw that pulled first baseman Josh Bell off first base. Almora hits it on a one-hop, fielded nicely by Garcia. Back foot on the grass, those wild to first, pulls Bell off the bag. In this instance, Josh Bell had to come off the bag, and I want to give Josh Bell credit. He made a nice backhanded catch of the Luis Garcia throw while falling down. Uh, Josh Bell, I mean, that was not an easy catch to make. Bell made that catch, but uh, that very clearly was a throwing error by Luis Garcia. And then Garcia in that Reds five-run seventh had multiple defensive fails, although I'm almost hesitant to use that word fails because the fails came on two challenging plays. These were not easy plays to make, but a good shortstop makes one, if not both, of these plays. So Luis Garcia failed to make a stab of a grounder while sliding on his knees on a ball that was hit up the middle by Nick Senzel for a single. If you watch this play, this was an awkward looking attempt at a sliding catch by Luis Garcia. I mean, you know, this looked like a play on which if you're going to make a diving attempt, you got to dive all out. You got to dive like stomach first. Instead, Garcia tried to do this awkward like slide on his knees and uh, he ended up not making the play. And then on the very next pitch, it's amazing how this can work, right? 
Garcia failed to make a diving stab of a well-hit ball off the bat of Brandon Drury for a single. Now, that was a well-struck ball by Brandon Drury. So, like I said, these were not easy plays to make, but, you know, Luis Garcia right now has a spotlight on him with his defense because everybody knows it was his defense that kept him at AAA Rochester, not his offense. I mean, Luis Garcia was raking at Rochester, uh, but the defense is the concern, especially, like I said, with Luis Garcia playing a very key defensive position in shortstop, or at least and that's one thing Luis Garcia to play shortstop. He, of course, also can play second base. We saw Luis Garcia play a lot of second base for the Nats at the major league level last season. A defensive bright spot for the Nats on Thursday night was catcher Cape at Ruiz. He was an Nats starting catcher, a number two batter, went 0 for 4, uh, but Ruiz in the bottom of the fourth threw out Albert Almora Jr. on an attempted steal of second base for the second out. So Almora got on base in that bottom of the fourth via the throwing error by Luis Garcia. But then Albert Almora Jr. quickly was removed from the base pads by the defensive work of K. Bert Ruiz. He gunned down Almora on an attempted steal of second base for the second out. You know, K. Bert Ruiz now this season, nine for 23 on runners trying to steal. That's good. That's impressive. And also, I want to give credit to Cesar Hernandez. He made a nice tag uh, on that play. So really nice to see something like that. But yeah, I mean, 8-1 at the Reds is 8-1 at the Reds. There is only so much positivity that you can pluck from a game like this one, losing in blowout fashion at a team that has been as bad as the Reds have been so far this season. Game two for the Nats at the Reds is on Friday night at 640. Josiah Gray will be the Nats' starting pitcher. So Josiah Gray last pitched in the Nats' 6-5 win over the Colorado Rockies at Nationals Park this past Sunday afternoon. One run in five innings. Uh, He gave up just three hits, a homer, and two singles. His biggest problem was that he issued four walks. He recorded three strikeouts. He threw 93 pitches over the five innings. Uh, Now, it's interesting. Gray began his outing by giving up a leadoff homer to Charlie Blackman to right field on the second pitch of the game. And that was the last thing that you wanted to see of Gray having allowed nine home runs over his previous four starts. But Gray then was better, and it was nice to see him be better because he really had struggled uh, in his previous start, which came in a 9-4 loss to the Los Angeles Dodgers at Nationals Park on May 24th. Josiah Gray in that game, seven runs in three innings. He gave up three home runs in that game. The home run has been the problem for Josiah Gray so far this season. And, you know, I think as everyone listening knows, Josiah Gray working out for the Nats is a big deal. Like to me, his starts matter more than any other pitcher's starts for the Nats at the major league level right now. That'll change if slash when a Cade Cavalli and or a Cole Henry gets called up to the majors. But for now, There are Josiah Gray starts, and then there are everyone else's starts in terms of big picture importance for the Nats. Well, Josiah Gray this season, over 10 starts, has an ERA of 508. He has looked good in a good number of his starts, but he's had some rough ones here lately. Was better in his last outing. I'm really anxious to see how he does in this game, too, at the Reds on Friday night. You tell us what you think. You can hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email us Nats chat podcast at gmail.com. We do continue to want to hear your memories of the 2012 National League East champion Nats as uh, this year, of course, is the 10 year anniversary of that team. You can email us a voice memo with your memories of that team and that season. Again, the email address is Nats chat podcast at gmail.com. Uh, all Nationals radio highlights on Nats chat are courtesy of 
of 106.7 The Fan. Mark will be back with me on the next installment of the Nats Chat Podcast. Until then, I'm Al Galdi. We'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. And we're going to leave you right now with something special. Number 15, Maryland, on Friday night at 7, will host Long Island University at Bob Turtle Smith Stadium in College Park in an NCAA regional. Boy, Maryland baseball has come a long way uh, over the years here. You know, I went to Maryland, class of 2001. I actually used to call Maryland baseball games on the mighty 10-watt power WMUC the student radio station. It may have been 15 watts. I'm not sure, but it wasn't more than 15 watts. I can tell you that. Uh, but Maryland baseball was not good back when I was at Maryland. But Maryland baseball has gotten so much better. And here we are now, Maryland baseball in the NCAA baseball championship. Very pumped for the Terrapins. Uh, here is Matt Noble from the Maryland Baseball Network to preview the Terps in the NCAA baseball championship. The eighth-ranked Maryland baseball team will host an NCAA baseball tournament regional round for the first time in school history beginning Friday afternoon. The 45-12 and 12 Big Ten regular season champions and region's top seed, who are led by Big Ten Coach of the Year Rob Vaughn, will open play at 7 o'clock against Northeast Conference champion Long Island. Lefty Ryan Ramsey, who was 10-1 with a perfect game against Northwestern on April 29th, gets the nod for Maryland in the opener. He'll face NEC Pitcher of the Year Josh Loshorn, who is tied for the most wins in Division I baseball with 11. The Terps hit a school record 123 home runs this season, second only to Tennessee in the country. Big Ten Player of the Year and first-team All-American center fielder Chris Bubba Aline paces the Terps with 22 round trippers, and shortstop Matt Shaw is right behind with 21. In all, six Maryland starters have 10 or more homers and six sport batting averages over 300. Righties Jason Savakul and Nick Dean round out a formidable weekend rotation. The 37-19 Sharks are the region's fourth seed and are led offensively by all-NEC right fielder Mikey Edelman, who's hitting 326 with seven homers and 34 RBIs. The first game on Friday features second-seeded Wake Forest against third-seeded UConn at 1 o'clock. Wake finished 40-17-1 during the regular season and relies on the long ball as well, having hit 115 home runs this season. Demon Deacons head coach Tom Walter graduated from Georgetown and previously was the head coach at George Washington. His pitching coach, Corey Muscara, spent the previous four seasons as the Terrapins pitching coach, and assistant Bill Salano graduated from Sherwood High in Montgomery County, the same school as Maryland first base coach Anthony Papio. Wake's ace is Rhett Lauder with an 11-3 record and a 2.61 ERA. He figures to get the call on Friday. The Deeks also feature a prolific offense with seven regulars hitting over 300. UConn finished 46-13 overall and went 16-5 in the Big East en route to capturing the Big East tournament title. Austin Peterson won 10 games and struck out 129 batters and is scheduled to go against Wake. Sophomore Corey Morton hit 442 and posted an OPS of 12.01. Five Huskies were named first team All-Big East. Friday's winners will meet on Saturday evening at 7 o'clock, while the losers will play Saturday at 1 o'clock. The double elimination regional continues with a pair of games on Sunday and one on Monday if necessary. For tickets and more information, call 1-800-I'm-A-Terp or visit umterps.com. All Maryland games can be heard on the Maryland Baseball Network on the free Mixler app. That's the Mixler app at M-I-X-L-R or at MarylandBaseballNetwork.com. With the Maryland Baseball Team, I'm Matt Noble. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? 
Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 